Welcome back to the TGI Podcast, and more importantly, welcome to Spooky Month. It feels great to be back for a peak time of the year, and we're excited for what's to come throughout these final three months. It's crazy, 2022 has flown by, hard to believe it's already October, that just means the rest of your is going to fly by, we all know how that goes, but hopefully these episodes I'm about to put out will help kind of keep you in the spirit for the rest of the year. This week, we're going back a few years and covering an all-time classic show that will hopefully hit you in both the spooky feels and probably some Christmas feels. So now, on to the show. This week, we're covering the Twilight Zone for the very first time time and the episode we're covering it is titled the night of the meek it was the 47th episode of the series and it debuted on december 23rd 1960 so the reason we decided to pick this episode is because it should conceivably and we'll talk about this a little more later tap into both horror and christmas and i wanted to go a slightly different route for a couple of the episodes this month the Twilight Zone, obviously, it was a an American science fiction horror anthology television series, that's a mouthful, that ran for five seasons between 1959 and 1964. It is considered one of the best shows in television history. And as for this particular episode, the cast, it's fairly limited, uh, but show creator Rod Sterling, he serves as the episode's opening and closing narrator, as he always does. Art Carney plays Henry Corwin, John Fiddler plays Mr. Dundee, Robert P. Lebb plays Flaherty, Val Avery was the bartender, Meg Wiley was Sister Florence, and Kay Cousins played the irate mother, and last but not least, Burt Mustin played the old man. Now the episode, uh, it stars Art Carney. He is the focal point. He is someone we talked about earlier this summer uh, when we did our Christmas in July episodes. He is best known for his run on The Honeymooners. If you want to go back to that episode, I kind of talk about how funny I believe that he is. And (laughs) In this episode, he's certainly not funny. It's a different take on what I've seen Art Carney for the majority of my life, uh, which was on The Honeymooners, but he plays this role very well. And before we jump ahead forward, that leads us into our newest segment. Now it is time for a Christmas Connection. This is an easy episode to find our Christmas connection. And with that, we're going with the one and only Art Carney. Outside of being in the Christmas, this Christmas specific episode, Carney was also in the Star Wars holiday special, which I have never seen, but I know it is uh, not loved at all <laughs> by most Star Wars fans. So I don't think I'll ever give that one a shot. But he's also in the Rankin Bass special, The Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, as the narrator, Blarney Killa Killarney, which another one, I think I've seen bits and pieces, but it has never interested me. I don't think I'll ever go down that route to watch that one. And lastly, he played Santa Claus in the TV movie, The Night They Saved Christmas. Thank <laughs> you. 
drilling for oil at the North Pole. They plan for every emergency but one. You're going to blow up Santa Claus. Jacqueline Smith and Art Carney. You're going to ruin Christmas forever. You'll believe in Santa Claus the night they save Christmas. Thursday. Let's start off here first with a quick synopsis from IMDb saying, After a derelict Santa Claus is fired on Christmas Eve, he finds a mysterious bag that gives out presents. With this bag, he sets out to fulfill his one wish, to see the less fortunate inherit the bounties of Christmas. Very straightforward, very simple. But here we go, we'll dive in here a little bit more on this episode. So, one thing though, this particular episode was remade in 1985 when the series was rebooted. Uh, It's been rebooted a handful of times, obviously in recent years it was rebooted with Jordan Peele. Um, But the episode when they remade it was very similar from what I could see. Richard Mulligan, he starred as the Henry Corwin character, and that one debuted on December 20th in 1985. One thing that is very notable in this particular episode is the picture quality. So if you are somebody who has seen this before or is thinking about seeing this particular episode, the quality is not good. And now that shouldn't be a surprise because it's 1960, but we know we've seen a lot of episodes of old TV shows that look good. I mean, they might not be in a full screen, widescreen format, might be in the four to three box that we see in a lot of older TV shows that aren't scaled to be in high definition. But this episode is just off. And after reading up upon uh, reading up on it, I found out that this was one of six episodes that were filmed exclusively on videotape instead of film, and it was their way to try to save money. So at the time, the Twilight Zone was costing more money than they thought it should. And so they decided they were going to cut costs a little bit and see what they could do. And what I thought is really noticeable on this episode is it sort of lacks depth and It looks almost like you're watching a live version of a television show, like I can remember 30 Rock did a live episode. It was similar to that, but not as good. And other things I've read is it's similar to how soap operas were filmed uh, back in the 50s and 60s, so it had that feel. So it there's just something about it that makes it feel a little cheap. And I think it would have been vastly improved just if that had changed. But the episode itself, it opens up. We're at a department store. It looks great. We've got a big train in the middle. The kids, they're all excited and waiting in line to see Santa Claus. Obviously a scene we've seen hundreds of times in television and film. Uh, they focus in on a sign that's saying that Santa will return at 6 o'clock. And then it zooms back out and we see Art Carney, Henry Corwin. He's all dressed up as Santa, but he's getting drunk at a bar. And the bartender reminds Santa, hey, it's 6.30. You told me to let me know when it's 6.30. So obviously Santa, he's got no idea what's going on. He didn't even know he had to be back at 6 o'clock. But we find out he's going on his sixth drink of the night. And the bartender, he's like, hey, you got to get out of here because you said... You need to be gone by 6.30. And he says it's $3.80 for a sandwich and six drinks. And I tell you what, hell of a deal. Hell of a steal. Get a little loaded. Get some food in you for under $4. Not a bad deal. 
As he's sitting there, and you can tell he's very obviously drunk, we see a couple kids outside, and they come up to the window, and they're knocking on the window, waving at Santa. He starts to wave back a little bit, and then he gets a little retrospective here, and he's like, if, why isn't there a real Santa Claus? Why can't these kids get what they want? And he's very drunk and very belligerent, and the bartender, he's having none of it. He's like, look, man, just eat your sandwich and get out of here. And the telephone rings, the bartender starts answering a phone call, Henry here tries stealing a drink, and the bartender kicks him out. So we see Henry slash Santa here making his way outside in the snow, he's stumbling all over the place, we see those same kids who had spotted him in the window, they're standing off to the side, and they're super excited, they're, oh, they're all just giddy with excitement to see that Santa is there. But this belligerent Santa, he's just aimlessly walking up and down the sidewalks. He almost gets hit by a couple of cars in the middle of the street, and then he falls down to the ground. The two kids then, they come up to him, and they start asking him for all these things that they want from Santa Claus, including a job for their father and a turkey for Thanksgiving, leading them to make Santa cry. And then we go into this voiceover. This is Mr. Henry Corwin, normally unemployed, who once a year takes the lead role in the uniquely popular American institution, that of the department store Santa Claus, in a road company version of the night before Christmas. But in just a moment, Mr. Henry Corwin, Ursad Santa Claus, will enter a strange kind of North Pole, which is one part the wondrous spirit of Christmas and one part the magic that can only be found in the Twilight Zone. We now make our way back inside the department store, and Corwin, he gets scolded by his boss, who calls him a wino, and then he needs to get his act together. The children are very thrown off by a very belligerent and drunk Santa Claus, and he's stumbling all over the place. He's trying to apologize, but his boss, he's having none of it, kicks him out of the store, fires him. And just as Corwin gets called a drunk, he starts to apologize, And he's like, I could either drink or I can weep. And he starts talking about how Christmas is more than just going to stores and should come with patience and love and compassion. Which honestly is very philosophical for a fired, drunk Santa Claus. Something I was not expecting. He starts shouting about seeing all these kids who don't have uh, don't have enough uh, around them. You know they're living in the streets or they're homeless or the families don't have enough, and that's one of the reasons he drinks and he wishes he could give them all the gifts that they want. And he notes that one of the biggest reasons he drinks is so when he walks down the street, he could pretend it is the North Pole and that the kids are the elves. And honestly, you start feeling bad for Corwin in this moment because for Henry because he's he's trying to convey the way that he feels that all of this is weighing him down that seeing the world in shambles and that life is sort of a better place uh, when the spirit of the holiday season is out there. And so you kind of feel for him a little bit. And he's just so saddened by the idea of kids not having enough for the holidays. But now that he has been fired, he goes back out into the street. He tries going back to the bar he was at earlier. But the bartender, he won't let him come back inside. uh, Considering how he's acting earlier. He's like, you know, get out of here. Just go. And just then, Corwin, as he's outside, he starts to hear sleigh bells. Before he stumbles across a giant sack 
of gifts. It's like this magical moment for him. He's excited and he starts shouting Merry Christmas very loudly before we head into a commercial break. As the commercial, as we come back from commercial, we then see a group of men who I think it's sort of like a homeless shelter uh, with some religious, there, there's a nun or a sister here playing music and Corwin, he heads inside and he starts handing out gifts and he's giving everybody, what do you want I got here? What did you want for Christmas? I got this back and forth, back and forth. And the nun, she is very skeptical about all of this. She runs outside, she grabs a police officer He comes in, he starts asking Henry, you know, what's going on? He's like, are you drunk? And Henry's like, of course I'm drunk. I'm drunk with excitement. And this is when the officer, obviously very skeptical of the situation. He's like, look, I want to see a receipt for all of these gifts. But of course, Corwin doesn't have one. So the officer takes him downtown to the precinct And as they're making their way there, we have Corwin's boss, who from the department store shows up, and he claims that all of these items were taken from the store. But just as the department store boss starts looking into the bag, he realizes it is full of garbage. What? And so the department store boss, he starts to storm off. Uh, and the officer, though, he's starting to kind of believe a little bit of what's going on. He's like, I, it might just be something supernatural, and we can't explain it. But the boss, he tells Corwin, if he's so magical, then you can pull out a bottle of cherry brandy. Which, of course, as Santa Claus here pulls and puts his hand into the bag, he pulls out this bottle of cherry brandy which blows the mind of both the department store boss and the police officer in this moment. Corwin's back outside. He starts handing out gifts to a bunch of kids. He's giving them baseball gloves and toys and toy airplanes. And then the, we hear the clock striking midnight outside. And all of a sudden, the bag is empty. And Henry has done his deeds. And when one of the homeless men from earlier bumps into Corwin... He thanks him for for the gifts. I think he got a pipe and some tobacco. And he's like, thank you for that. But he's like, Corwin, you never got a gift. And then he's sort of reflexive here. And he says that all he really wanted was to be the biggest gift giver of all time. And he got it that night. And he says that his real wish would be able to do this every single year. Corwin he heads back to where he originally found that bag and sitting there is a massive sleigh and reindeer and he gets startled by an elf who lets him know hey we've got a lot of work to do we've only got one more year until we have to do it again and they start to ride off and at this point we see the officer the department store boss who is now very drunk after sipping off of this cherry brandy (laughs) Uh, they're walking out of the precinct. They look, look up to the sky. We perceive that they see Corwin fly by. We hear sleigh bells. They both seem very perplexed, but they decide they're going to head out together and spend the evening together and thank God for miracles. And then the episode, it ends with this closing narration from Rod Sterling where he says, A word to the wise to all the children of the 20th century, whether their concern be pediatrics geriatrics whether they crawl on hands and knees and wear diapers or walk with a cane and comb their beards there's a wondrous magic to christmas and there's a special power reserved for little people in short there's nothing mightier than the meek 
and a Merry Christmas to each and all. And that wraps up this episode. It is quick, it is short, it is to the point. They did not skimp with one second of time in this episode to wrap it up as quick as possible. But as always, we like to determine on our show if this episode should be deemed a classic. And with this, I'm giving it a... You got it, dude! So here's the thing. I went into this episode not really knowing much about it. I knew it was a Twilight Zone episode. I've seen handful of Twilight Zone episodes over the years. I'd never seen this one before. I knew it was Christmas-themed, but I didn't want to look too much into it. And... I assume there would likely be a little more to it in terms of the spooky, because that's what we get with a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. But I came away rather surprised by the overall solid Christmas story in this. Again, I knew it was Christmas-themed, that's part of the reason why I picked this, thinking it would be spooky, scary, Christmassy, but it's not scary, it's not even spooky. So if you want to watch this for Halloween feels, you're not going to get them. You're not going to even get a touch of spooky scary at all. But the reason I give this gave this a you got it dude is because it works so well for the Christmas feels. And that very much surprised me. Again, not that I didn't think it would be Christmas themed, but I did not think it would lack any sort of what I came to expect from a Twilight Zone episode. With all that said, I like it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. But I will say the appearance of the episode, like we mentioned earlier, it's hard to get through, especially in scenes involving snow. The camera focuses on the snow instead of the actor. It makes Corwin seem very distant in a lot of the scenes. It looks muddled. Um... It just doesn't look right because even when you watch a lot of these old shows now on our high def 4K televisions, they look really good. They're they're not scaled for a full widescreen presentation, but you get the box and it looks good. I can't really really complain with a lot of that. I mean, when I was watching the the uh, episodes I did for the classic Christmas in July, all those episodes ended up looking very good on streaming, but this one does not. It's hard to get through that, but if you know it going into it, I think it makes it a little easier. But outside of that, like I mentioned, it moves very quick. This is a very quick story. It's very simple, but it works. The atmosphere works despite how it looks. I think the atmosphere works very well. The music, uh, even the drunk redemption for Santa, it does have sort of a Linus moment to steal uh, the the line from the from our friends at Tis the Podcast, it does have that little bit of a Linus moment because he realizes, you know, there's a change. Well, actually, you know what? The more I think of it, he doesn't really have a change because he doesn't really need to. He wants the kids to be happy. But I guess if I had somebody to debate me with that, we could figure that out. But like I said, if you wanted something more in line with something scary or spooky, this is not it. It's just not... I'm sorry if I led you down a path to watch this hoping for Halloween feels and you didn't get them because I didn't get them. But I do think I'll find myself watching this again sometime in the coming months when I want to bolster my Christmas spirit. Maybe something in November 
because you know we know December is going to be packed full of all those Christmas movies we want to watch. So maybe this is something in November to kind of tide you over a little bit. Again, it's quick, so I recommend giving this a watch. Now, if you like this episode or you like previous episodes, you like this podcast in general, please, please, I'm going to beg you, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You don't even have to write anything. Just give us some stars. That'll help in a big way. Every review helps us climb up the ranks and with the holiday season fast approaching, I'd love to get more reviews, get us in the ears of many, many more listeners. Uh, If you do leave us a review, let me know, please let me know on social media. I'll send you a free TGI podcast sticker. I'll probably send you a couple because I got a decent stack here of stickers. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram by searching for TGI Podcast. Or if you're on Twitter, you can find me at Matt Yurich, E-U-R-I-C-H. Find me on Twitter. Send me a message. We'll link up. I'll figure. I'll get your address. I'll send you out some stickers. Because again, reviews are so important right now, please. I would appreciate it if you would leave us a review. And now that this episode is wrapped up, we will once again be back next week covering something spooky and scary, a lot different than this because, again, I was a little disappointed in the lack of spooky, scary, and I need a little bit of that right now. So we'll have something a little more fun coming up. And of course, we've got November coming up and our Thanksgiving episodes. And I've said it before, but November tends to be our strongest month. It's very surprising. People seek out those Thanksgiving episodes, so I think it's it's awesome that a lot of people like listening to those. Um, but we do have some really fun ones planned out for the month ahead. Uh, but of course, we're going to get through this month with a lot of fun stuff in there as well. So thanks again for listening, and we will all talk again very soon. The TGI Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by me, Matt Urich. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Yurick, and be sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.